Aces. Hey girls, how you doing? Hey. Good, how are you? We've got Naha and Courtney on the show this week, a lovely combination. And we're here to talk about war films based on the recent release of 1917, which is a... It's caused some good film thoughts, but then it's also caused some negative film thoughts, which Courtney is burning to vent about, so we will definitely... I didn't know that there were negativity. I didn't know there were negative I'm always the angry one, I feel like. We don't need to talk about that today. But, um, so just want to touch on, because obviously last week we spoke about Oscar nominations, we spoke about the lack of diversity and the lack of mm-hmm. women and things like that. And there's been a lot of conversation online. And I wanted to ask you guys your thoughts on this, because obviously this isn't the first time it's happened. And was it a couple of years ago, maybe three years ago, when women were shut out of the Golden Globes? And if everyone mm-hmm. was like, we've got to make a stand, we've got to make a stand. And the stand they chose to take was to wear black. Which was not mm-hmm. wasn't very powerful, oh, yeah. was it? I think we spoke about it at the time. Yeah. What do, What do you guys think they should do? Because I'm seeing a lot of interviews. I'm seeing a lot of opinion pieces. People like mm-hmm. Florence Pope spoke out. Saoirse Ronan spoken out. But what do you think they need to do? I mean, they, what do you think they need to do to actually make a stand? Just some opinions. Do you remember what? Um, who was talking about inclusion riders? Like putting inclusion riders in their contracts. Was that Francis McDormand? Isn't that a thing? Like, didn't Frances McDormand talk about this idea of putting things in our contracts that forced production companies to make productions more inclusive? I just, I, I think effectively, I think it's not so I much did. about, it's, it doesn't feel so much about, like, putting on a show at award season, but kind of that there needs to be, in, I was going to say industrial change. <laughs> there needs to be change within the industry. But that idea that it's like, it just yeah. feels very on the surface, you know? Well, I think in all honesty, like, a generation of Academy voters and HPFA voters need to just die. And I'm oh not saying gosh. they deserve death. I mean, I'm saying, I'm saying they're old and they don't get it. Mm-hmm. Like, they are, like, 80 to 90 years old and... You know, it's going to take 10 years and they're going to pass away naturally, I hope. <laughs> Natural causes. I'm not wishing death upon any. Maybe Woody Allen I wish death upon. Maybe that's the only one. <laughs> but I think that's literally because if you look at it this year, there were options. Yeah. For like once, there were so many kick ass that's true. female yeah, directors. That's true. There were so many amazing performances by people of color. Like, they had no excuse other than that they're stuffy old white men who only pick what pertains to them. This is, yeah. And they don't... This is the thing, because the argument, uh, like, I'd say, well, the argument for a long time has been that you have to look at the root of the problem, and the reason why you don't see a lot of female-led films or female directors is because they're not getting the funding to get greenlit, and then to get shot, and then to get released, and then to get nominated. Mm -hmm. But I feel like they are greenlighting more productions out. I mean we, we spoke about yeah. Marion Heller she did um two films that have been nominated for Oscars back to back she did um is it a beautiful day in the neighborhood the Tom mm-hmm. Hanks film and she also did um <laughs> I've forgotten both the names can you, can you forgive, forgive me? me so she did those films back to back and that's quite impressive for a female director to have two award seasons back to back um obviously yeah. she didn't get nominated for best director for either of them but so it is happening but like you said the problem then lies the films are made the films are out there the films get great reviews mm. and then the academy just doesn't even include them so i think it is to do with mm. with the board but like 
in regards to female actors and directors, what do you feel like they should be doing to make a stand? Like, what do you think would actually make people think, you know what, we should probably start listening? Because they're clearly not at the moment. I don't know. I just don't think it's on them. It's not. It's not. Like, they're doing... That's the thing that's hard. It's it's like, all I can say is keep doing good. Mm. Like, I don't know what you want Lulu Wong to do (laughs) besides continue to make movies. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, I feel bad that they... but But they do need to... They don't need to, but... To be heard, they do have to, like, take a stand. Yeah. And that's what's shitty. It's just a weird... Like, I agree that there needs to be some sort of thing, I guess. I guess they could all not show up. Oh, that would be cool, wouldn't it? To the awards. Like, this. what if all... But yeah. then, it's difficult, because I've, I've thought about this in the past. Like, I think when they originally wore black, and I think my argument was, well, they should just not go. Mm. But then you think... Yeah. But then... A, that takes away any female presence at the award ceremony. B, it's yeah. a massive opportunity to be able to go to the Oscars, so it's taken away that opportunity. But then at the same time, sometimes you need to do something shocking and daring to actually make a stand. And mm-hmm. I, I just, I don't know. I'm, I'm really confused. Because, like, every single year, the Academy Awards get announced... I'm part of a few director groups. I always get sent a petition. And I it's great. But then I, this year, I, I remember seeing my inbox and I just thought, what is the point? Like, mm. I signed this petition. That doesn't mean anything. They don't listen to petitions, you know? So, yeah. I, don't, I don't know. I just wondered if you guys had any ideas what, what you think would be, you know, quite shocking or daring or maybe would change the situation. Yeah. I did see a tweet. Was it yesterday or the day before? And someone was talking about how instead of trying to get into a system that is so good excluding everyone that's not a white man maybe direct it well directors and any sort of person of color slash female creators should go ahead and make their own award shows like maybe that's what it's going to take like not dismantling something that already exists because it's clearly not fit to function but that idea that we have to make our own that's a very good point well then that's a that's a positive thing then too like you're like we'll make something better well, that's you how, know. like, the BET Awards started out, didn't they? I yeah. think so, yeah. So, that's a good point. You could do, you could do, like, um, I don't know, but what would you even call it? Like, the female Oscars or women in film in excellence or something like that. I mean, it's things that me, us at Rian yeah. just try and do, isn't it? And a lot of the time we get, like, oh, you know, you've got to be inclusive of everyone. You think, well, we are, but why aren't you guys? You know, it's, it's a bizarre... Yeah. I mean, you could just say, I don't know, but that's, again, like, why punish, like, the male directors? I mean, you could get that. You could say all female actors don't work with any men for two years. But then you just get films like The Irishman for, like... Yeah, oh exactly. Oh, my God. Like, Every movie would be The Irishman. Mean, they'd make a stand and they'd be like, all right, then, bye. We'll just CGI you in. It's fine. <laughs> Just put Leo in a wig, it's fine. No, they'd, they'd yeah. literally, they'd do, the, they'd do a film and they'd do like they've done with that James Dean, they'd just they'd CGI in Ava Gardner, Audrey Hepburn. <laughs> like, we just throw, it's all right. We don't, you know, we don't need permission. Um, but no, I thought I'd just ask you guys because I've seen a lot of like hot mm. takes and Greta Gerwig, her car stick up for her. And I just think, well, you know, what's, what's actually going to happen? I, d- I don't know, but yeah, I thought mm. I'd get your, your take on it. Um, so we've had some bad news this week with TV shows. So we've been told that Mindhunter is possibly not coming back and Watchmen mm. is possibly not coming back. 
And obviously you guys are, are fans of these shows. How do you feel about this? Because my Mindhunter in particular, it was only a little while ago they said it was going to have eight seasons. Yeah. I'm sad. I'm really sad of this too. But Me too. So what I didn't know about Watchmen though is apparently um, Damon Lindelof said he was never going to come back for a second season. I just missed that memo. So it was HBO's decision oh. to go ahead oh. and not make a second season. Um, I just wish I'd known that. <laughs> Like when you watched it. Yeah, I feel like Yeah. But I mean selfishly I just wanted more Regina King. Like ten seasons of just Regina King being the best. I was I was thinking like this year well not this year's last year now, I have to keep saying that. It keeps confusing me. (laughs) But I had no idea when it first got I mean I didn't really pay much attention to it before it was released. I just kinda put it on, I was like, Oh I'll watch that because it looks quite good. Mm. And then I was like, Oh my god, this show is really diverse and like it's not like in your face. It's just natural. Mm. And I, when it got to the end, I thought, oh my God, I've just watched a HBO show with a black lead female cast member. And it just, it was just natural. It wasn't like, you know, a lot we spoke about last week, but like a lot of the Academy films, like if there's black actors in it, they're usually slaves. It's about slavery. It's about oppression. It's about this. I mean, obviously those mm-hmm. themes were within Watchmen, but there's a lot more to the story. Mm. So I was quite sad. Like you said, I'm quite sad we're not going to see Regina King like, doing that anymore hopefully it opens up more doors i know she's doing a lot more producing isn't she mm. but um yeah it's it's a real shame with that but mind hunter i like they've released the cast from the contracts i think it's gonna come back but i think it is literally gonna be like four years four years and it's it's so frustrating because it's david fincher leaving to go make that movie about the making of um citizen kane oh really Oh, I didn't know that. That's what he's doing next. It's about, like, the screenwriter of Citizen Kane, and Gary Oldman's playing that guy. So I'm pretty sure that that's taking more time than he thought it would, and he wants to focus mm. on that. And so that's why I say bring in another director to, to do it. Because Bong Joon-ho <gasps> said he wants to do... He loves Mindhunter, so please. He loves Mindhunter? Can you imagine? Bong Joon-ho? Does he? Shut up. If I said it right. That would be amazing. Yes, he said in, like, an interview that he would love to do something. That would be amazing. Netflix called him. I mean, they were true detective. They replaced Carrie Fukunara, didn't they? Mm. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which is... You know, they were so, they were gonna try to do another thing with. I just finished season three of True Detective because I'm I know, so I behind love on this everything. Cause cause I just like, got HBO. Finish things a year later, but it's so lovely and fresh. It's so nice. Um, but I real I didn't realize that. Um, I can't remember his name. The guy that did um Green Room, and Blue Ruin, and Hold the Dark. Jeremy Saul, oh, yeah. that's his name. He was supposed to do like the whole all, the whole third season yes. of True Detective, the way that Carrie did the first season, but it fell through, yeah. and he only did like the first three. So I definitely think like having that like strong director helps a show, and that's why Mindhunter having David Fincher there the whole time mm. helps. So it'd be cool if they just grabbed another one and just let Jeremy him go. Jeremy yeah, would be a great addition to Mindhunter, I think. You need you need he would someone do, yeah, that's he could got do that history hunter. of making thrillers, but yeah. like cerebral thrillers, yeah. not like cheap scares and things like that. Um, but no, I completely yeah. agree. I think it's such a great show. I think four years is a long time. You've got to look at the actors as well. You know, four years, anything can happen. 
and it's on such a great yeah. role and obviously like there's such a big promise mm. at the moment for true crime for serial killers and there was a lot of promise for mm-hmm. season three i think there was rumors that ted bundy was going to come into the show obviously ted bundy's a very popular icon in the true crime world but well infamous you should probably say rather than popular it's not like he's got a yeah. lot of fans um i don't know it's, it's no but he has a lot of stands on twitter i know I can't. I went down Courtney there. Went down there I she was sent doing... me screenshots. I was like, Courtney, get off the internet now. <laughs> Log out. It was for I was I was researching. I was research. But yeah, they're horrible and they frighten me. And I the worst part is you know that they're like sixteen. Yeah. Yeah. It's weird. That's that's so like I can't like I don't know. Like they'll learn, I hope. Mm. You know what I mean? That's all you can hope. <laughs> they'll be okay. <laughs> It's just a phase. I mean, we all used to, you know, to go on the internet and talk it's about how a serial killer is really in... I can't even say it, like, finish the I, I really that. thought, no, I really thought no, you, you said, can't. you know, we've all been through a Ted Bundy phase. I'm like, what? What, <laughs> what are you saying? It's crazy. <laughs> yeah, honestly. it's weird. Absolutely crazy. Ooh. It's just, it's just, a, it reminded me of, of Hannibal when they cancelled Hannibal after three seasons. But like, they cancelled it when like season three was on and the second episode came out. So a lot of people were like, well, what's the point of finishing this season? Mm. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it's, uh, I don't know, television, like, this is the thing about television. It's great because you get more character development, you get more time with the characters, you can invest more time into it. But then in the second, like, you don't get halfway through a film and then a guy comes out and is like, sorry, guys, they cancelled the rest of the movie. Yeah. Like, you get closure, and I think that's difficult with a TV show. I've, we said this in the show before, like, every TV show should be given, like, one more season to finish off storylines. Mm. Um, yeah. Or even just, like, a special, like, a one-hour special or a two-parter or something, but... Yeah. Didn't they do that with Sense8? I don't they watch did do Sense8, that with Sense8, but yeah. I think that's how yeah. they sorted that out, which is, like... Yeah. It's something. Yeah. But even, like, big shows like Breaking Bad, Mad Men, Sopranos, like, they all announced, like, look, the show is ending, but we're going to do mm. two more seasons. And that was great because they were able to have creative control to still create interesting storylines, but also have a closure. Mm. So the show didn't, didn't just end. Mm. Like, could you imagine? Like, it just, yeah. just ends. So. But it's a shame that not every show gets that. I mean, like, The Good Place this year is ending. That's been given, like, a fun, for the final show to have that. Um, Bojack too. I can't even think about it. I can't. Again, this reminds me of like what I said last week about Adam Sandler. Like, if you told me six years ago that one of my favorite TV shows would be about half man, half horse, I'd I'd be like, (laughs) what? What drugs am I on in twenty twenty? What drugs? Oh yeah, fucking good. Bojack's such an emotional show as well, and I think a lot of people turn. Oh, for sure. It, and this is what was so this was what's so cool about Tuca and Bertie because it, it was along the same lines of Bojack Corson where yes it was a silly animation and yes it was a little bit tongue in cheek and slapstick but the storylines it have it's funny how it can speak to you on an emotional level that a live action show probably couldn't yeah yeah and I think we need we do need exactly. more of that I think it's 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 a fun art form I mean Courtney you're a designer it, it's fun to kind of have a different mm-hmm. form of media and having an animation show I mean I think because the original adult cartoon things were like Family Guy and American Dad and everyone kind of yeah. like they were pretty mm. laddie they were very like masculine and people didn't really take them seriously and then it's kind of transgressed and you've got things like Rick and Morty like Rick and Morty's probably not on the same level as Bojack Horseman no but it does yes. at times explore mm. things that like Family Guy's not yeah. got yeah. 
Absolutely. It's like a middle. It's like leaning a little more towards Family Guy, but it can have its more yeah. profound yeah, moments. Yeah. Someone's going to take that sound bit and separate it and say that I'm a Rick and Morty fangirl <laughs> or something. So okay. I'm it's done. Like, um, it's a gateway. It's a gateway. Big Mouth. Mm-hmm. That's a good way big to put mouth, it. The way Big Mouth speaks about sex and puberty and just sexual... like it's yeah. Particularly the recent season, it spoke a lot about um, sex within gay couples and things like that. Mm-hmm. It, it's allowed you get you not not get away with it but you're the producers and the makers of the show and netflix are like yeah go hang with it because you know it's just a cartoon like it doesn't really matter but in a yeah. real show you probably wouldn't be able to have a mm. ghost that's gay that is you know talk to a young boy it's it's i don't know it's just a different form of media and it's sad that one of the most successful long-running yeah. loved shows is ending i don't know why it's ending we could have it for like five more years yeah, right? I think I'm it in was. Denial. Can you tell? <laughs> I think it was supposed to go on a little longer, wasn't it? And they cancelled it. I think so. Mm. And I have. Like, and I think re- they had to kind of. I think they were allowed to ah, wrap it up. Okay. But... Well, that makes me happy. Ish. Yeah. Yeah. So I think it is like it is going to be a good like closure, but I don't think the creator intended to have to end yeah. it this quickly. If that makes sense, I'm so scared. Of what, oh, how it's going to end. Because this is one of those shows where, like... <gasps> same. Oh, same. I don't like it. I think... I don't know. Whenever you get a show that's been that on for a long time, Beloved, you're like, who's going to die? Who's going to die? <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. I don't know. Um, <laughs> it's strange. Talking to TV, uh, have you guys seen... Courtney, I don't know how this works over there, but we've got Sky Atlantic over here, and they've just started showing the show The Outsider... I have HBO. Of course you do. This is a great... Now. As of last week. Fans as of, of the last show. week for the yeah, new post. Yeah, you said on the show many times. I'm going to get um, HBO. I'm going to get HBO. <laughs> <laughs> I did it! <laughs> um, but yes. So I have... Anything you have on Sky, I have on HBO. Pretty it's, much. It's a whole new world. Look at us. Equal opportunity for all. I know. <laughs> I watched Chernobyl last week. I watched True Detective last week. I'm but catching up. Like I'm a person. Chernobyl? What did you yeah. think? I, I loved it. It made the little epilogue at the end where they showed like all the real shit. I was I crying. Cried. I didn't cry yeah, the whole show, but holy yeah. shit. But it's, yeah. it was very good. So I mean, good. it holds up to everything it, it said. And again, if you told me that like that would have been one of my favorite <laughs> TV shows of last year, I would have laughed. But especially I think the end no. part, when they're in the courtroom and he's going through everything, mm. it was so gripping. Like, oh, that's just brilliant. Oh, I know. Someone said to me the other day, do you reckon Chernobyl will be back for season two? And I was uh. like, I said, it doesn't really work like that. I mean, I hope not. <laughs> God in heaven. <laughs> right? It's just, yeah. I, oh. I don't have to see that person again ever again, so it's fine now. Um, but yeah. <laughs> so, but yeah, The Outsider. Sorry, The Outsider. Mm-hmm. So this is Stephen yeah. King, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Ben Mendelsohn. Yeah. Are you guys going to watch it? I'm tempted to. I've seen the first episode. I might, yeah. How was the first episode? Ooh, okay. Dark. Dark. What is it like? It bad is lighting or dark. Well, I mean, <laughs> no, it is. I mean, obviously, they do that disclaimer before you start a show. Like, this show contains upsetting scenes. And I'm like, ah, it's fine, it's fine. And, <laughs> I can roll with this. Yeah. No, it is, um, it is heavy. Um, really good, so I'm going to stick with it. And okay. it's like, What's his name? 
I've forgotten his name. It's Jason Bateman, like I've never seen yes. him before. Um, I've also not read the, the book. Bad guy. Yeah, he's playing like the lead suspect. The dude. Or whatever. Yeah. The dude. Um, <laughs> the dude. I've not read the book, so I don't know how it ends. Um, okay. But yeah, I mean, just it's heavy, but it's good. Okay. I think. Okay. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I like when actors like Jason Bateman. I like when they go into something a bit different. Mm-hmm. I did, did you guys ever watch Ozarks? Yeah. Did you, is it? Is it, st- is it still on? Is it good? I think there's a new season due to start soon, but yeah, it. I enjoy it. I'm. It's not one of my favorite shows, but I watch every season, so. Yeah. That's it's good. Enough. It's fun. Just got to put it on the background, haven't you? He's good. Yeah. yeah. It's that dark. <laughs> are you guys watching anything else at the moment? Because it's obviously New Year. A lot of people are setting new goals to kind of watch more TV shows or less TV shows. It's all about the new oh, poll. Yeah. <laughs> the best. I. The Young Pope, I think, is the best piece of media to ever exist. That's how I say it. It transcends oh, is it, TV is it to me. a different thing this season? It's, yes, because there are circumstances that happen in The Young Pope where we needed a new oh. Pope because something happened to The Young Pope. So John Malkovich is the Brilliant new Pope, casting. but Jude Law's still going. Oh, my God. And he's, like, he wasn't really in the first episode much, but he's this like super posh English cardinal and he wears like eyeliner <laughs> and oh, it yeah it's a super like horny show like the in the title sequence was a bunch of nuns like disrobing and like gyrating against a neon cross so it's it's Courtney the show yeah, essentially it's very good. I've, when I did the trailers first come out, this was before I had Sky at the first season of Jude Law. I thought, how is that a real show? Because it's about a Pope, but it looks so sexy. Like, you know what a show just yeah. like yeah. sex? And I just it, thought, that, yeah. well, I need to watch this. I don't know what's going on. And then I've seen the trailer for the new one, and John Malkovich just looks so evil. Mm. Yeah, <laughs> so I'm intrigued. I might have to be. I definitely this. want to watch it. Yeah, no, it's the Young Pope is great. I can't recommend it. It's really Jude Law is incredible in it. It's Paolo Sorrentino directs it mm. all, who did The Great Beauty and Youth, and this would be a place. You, you. I thought he did The Great Beauty. And then yeah. No, not you, <laughs> not you, youth. <laughs> <laughs> the acclaimed director behind Netflix okay. is you. No judgment. <laughs> it's a great show. Um. <laughs> But yeah, that's what I've. That's my big twenty twenty nice. TV okay. moment. I have I really started Grace and Frankie because it's back for what, season for the six. beginning or the new season. Se- yeah, season six. I've only watched the first episode, but it's good. It's like I feel like it's found its rhythm because I feel like last season was a little bit off. Yeah. Um, and Star Trek is back on the twenty fourth. Star Trek Picard on Amazon Prime, yeah. and I am such a Star Trek human. She is I'm beaming right now. so like, oh, excited. I'm so excited. She's um, so happy. But yeah, we'll find out what I think about that when it starts, I guess. But yeah, no, I'm excited. Sure. I really need to get around to watching Succession. I feel like it's... <gasps> yes. Oh my I God. need to. It needs to be on there, so I need to get around to doing that. But I, uh, Sex Education is back, season two. Um, and I... I, I I, did, I don't know. I did. I did like the show, but I binged it. So I don't know if that like affects like. I know a lot of people say this now. Mm-hmm. If you binge a show, it kind of affects whether you actually liked it or not. Um, but I'm gonna. I'm gonna watch that. Um, but yeah, and then I'm just you know being a Arrowverse nerd and watching Arrow, and uh, yeah, finishing it off. Anyway, moving on. So. Um, <laughs> It's a good show, okay? You know what? We all have a... I'm on up to date with Chicago Med now, so I feel like we all have those oh shows. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. 
I watch Riverdale. <laughs> yeah, that's very true. So that's what I was gonna ask you. you so obviously, Sabrina is coming back. Just mm-hmm. want to say it's so rude of Ross Lynch to date someone without consulting with me first, but it's fine. I'm ready I to know. move on. I hope he's happy. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, Sabrina's coming back. I don't think I'm gonna watch the next season, Courtney. That's okay. I will. <laughs> it's turning into like Riverdale level bad. I think. Did you watch the music video it's they released? So it was so awful. bad. It's how is it getting? Oh, but money? that's all of Riverdale. Like, children generally must rule the world because how is this show getting money and getting? I have money? no clue. And we have to wait four years for <laughs> Mindhunter. What is going on? It's because they put Ross Lynch in that little crop top. <laughs> <laughs> crop top I love that <laughs> you said I had to no think about it for a second like, I thought you were saying it was a crap top and I was like I don't get it top. crap 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 top. Top. crap top come on <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh that's the only explanation I have crackers it's got a massive fan base though a lot of people I know watch it but I just I don't think it's for me I'm afraid I'm into cults I'm into witchy shit mm. but it's okay you don't have to it's it's not good well, you last season it's okay. i watched all the episodes i was like oh yeah i finished it and then two yeah. weeks later i realized that i hadn't actually watched the last episode <laughs> so <that just> goes <laughs> to show how like not interested i am in the show and i think i watched it in the background i was like oh thank god that's over i think i started drinking halfway through <laughs> just needed to get through it so that's why i can't start riverdale because i feel like don't do it i look at riverdale like people look at meth I feel like it looks exciting. It's probably really enjoyable at the beginning. But By season road, three, there's no there is back. a cult and a like Dungeons and Dragons type game that's causing children to kill themselves. That's all I'll say. Like that's that's in Riverdale. It's crack shit. Is this um? Is this the cult with Chad Michael Murray? Yes, has, like a name like something ever never. Yes, Edgar ever never. I Chad, love that. Chad Murray is a cult leader named Edgar oh, Evernever. Named Edgar Evernever. Chad Murray needs to just let it go. He, honestly, God, I would not be surprised if in two years he's playing a teenager again. <laughs> like, hey, mom, gotta go to the basketball court after school. It's like you don't live here anymore, <laughs> Lucas. You're thirty-five. <laughs> oh my God, Uncle Keith is dead. Um, yeah, it's uh. It's a weird thing. It's funny with the One Tree Hill kids, because you don't really see... Considering that show was so big and they were actually very good actors, you don't see them in anything. No. No. At all, do you? I miss Nathan and Haley so much. I do. I do. I love Nathan Scott, but when he's... When he's online asking money for Kickstarters, I'm like, mate, mate, you were on the CW for nine years. You've got money, okay? Mm. But yeah. It's true. Anyway, so the top 10 obviously hasn't changed since um, the middle of the week when me and Naha went through it. We're going to talk about upcoming releases. So coming out next week, we have the Grunge remake, reboot, so like cool, whatever you want to call it, uh, that's coming out. John Cho. And Betty Gilpin. But are they actually in it or are they just at the beginning? I have no idea. I probably won't watch it given, you know, how much I love horror, but <laughs> I know John Cho's in it. It's been given a four out of Yeah, it came out here like two weeks ago and it has bombed. Oh, no. Justice for Betty Gilpin, you know what I'm saying? Mm. 
as well. Uh, double horror release this week. We've got The Turning, mm. which features um, Finn Wolfhard from Stranger Things. I'm not going to get into who he plays again. Um, so, yeah, double horror. That's quite early in the year for horror, isn't it? Sometimes Strange. they dump them in January. Like, I feel like there was a paranormal activity every January for, like, five years. Yeah, January is pretty much a dumping ground for those films that they thought were going to be Oscar contenders, but they're not. Oh, or yeah. films that they just... They have no idea where to put them in the year. It's like that Blake Lively film that's coming out soon that just looks yeah. like Black Widow mixed with Red Sparrow mixed with Hannah mixed with Nina. I don't know. And you've got the personal history of David Cockbill coming out, which is the Death Patel film. This has been given mixed to good reviews. Um, so, yeah, that's up to not a great week, to be honest, but there's a lot that's still out in the cinemas that obviously are Oscar contenders that everyone is seeing, mm-hmm. um, particularly 1917. Now, they are saying that this is probably going to be, based on all the algorithms, I don't know, all the bullshit they do, they reckon this is going to be the best picture winner. Mm-hmm. How do you guys feel about that? Obviously, Courtney, I don't need to ask you because you're a massive fangirl, but yeah. Yeah, I feel good about it. I watched it again yesterday. Did you? Yep, twice. I've never been... Oh, hold on. Yep, I've never been to the cinema to watch something twice. Oh my god, that's the first time. First time. Wow, 1917 bringing all the girlies to the cinema. Yeah. Oh, girl. Yeah, I loved it. I. It's just, it is cinematic and immersive and just the soundtrack is beautiful and George McKay is like it is McKay right not Mackay I was saying McKay and then everyone else was saying Mackay so we're just gonna go with George George we're We're on first name basis um he's just like he's just so good he's such a revelation Courtney um, sent me a message recently and he just said, I love Georgia. And I was like, maybe she's feeling really patriotic about the state. And then she corrected it to George. So I was like, okay, she's talking about George McCarthy. Yeah. Cool. I loved it. I, I, think it's, I think it's amazing. And the more I see about it, it really reminds me of those just like them British, like Atonement, Dunkirk, like mm-hmm. those kind of well-made but war films that are, we're going to talk about war films obviously in more detail but war films that are actually beautiful to look yes. at like mm-hmm. it's not all grainy and like dark mm-hmm. and you know it's actually like gorgeous you know I sound so stupid talking about this like my great granddad would be like you ungrateful little bitch why are you talking about the war well, I, beautiful countryside it's also still terrifying like I literally yeah. started crying when in the scene where he looks out the window and the whole town's lit up at the nighttime, yeah. I was so like scared and in awe of how beautiful. Because something can be scary and beautiful, and I think that 1917 yeah. nails that on the head. Is like, yeah, there's something weirdly beautiful about the way that No Man's Land looks, even with the horse skull coming out or the dead bodies. Like, it's not that the dead body is beautiful; it's like just the. I don't know. There's just something about it, and they capture it so well. Yeah, I agree. And and you and you got the whole continuous shot thing as well, which again, like I said, when I went into the cinema, I didn't know that what what it was like, Um, but it still kind of took my breath away because I was like, oh wow, this is Mm. wow, they've done this really well. Um, Obviously, there's been a lot of negativity about it as well. Uh, Predominantly, a lot of people think it's poorly edited. Um, My response to that is, go out there and try it yourself then. Um, but then, obviously, the uh, the other argument, and we had this when Dunkirk came out as well, was where are the women? And mm. Courtney, you've kind you've kind of come across this subject a lot, yeah. And you've had some like good responses to it. 
tell us a bit more how you feel about this because you've got a lot of opinions on this. So, I actually came across a really good article yesterday that perfectly, I mm-hmm. think, sums this up. It was a woman, and I can post it on. Tw- I retweeted it on Twitter. Um, it was a woman, and she was talking about how she and I. I haven't seen Little Women, so I'm not going to back her statement on Little Women. But this was just this woman's statement. She hated Little Women and thought it was an anti-feminist film. And she said that 1917 was the most feminist film of Oscar season because mm-hmm. <laughs> her reasoning was because it took. Let me find the quote. It was something about how it allowed the male characters to not have to be this masculine fake weird demigod thing it allowed him to cry and show emotion and have to do this shitty thing that he shouldn't have to do war sucks kind of thing i thought that was very interesting and i think that my big issue with people criticizing a movie like 1917 or dunkirk or any other war film is first of all it's historically accurate there weren't really women in the trenches and if we start adding yeah. women in the trenches, that's revisionist history. That's not helping anyone. Um, mm-hmm. And also, it's okay to have a masculine or a male-driven film. Like, that doesn't mean it's against women. It's a story about a man. Doesn't inherently mm-hmm. mean... Like, if Greta Gerwig can make Little Women, then Sam Mendes can make, you know, a war film inspired by his grandpa. There shouldn't be yeah. one or the other. Like, they both are allowed to well, exist. It's about equality, isn't it? That's the thing. It's not about there never, ever being a film again about men solely. It's about ensuring that as much as there's a 1917, there's a yeah. lot of women. As much as there's a Dunkirk, there's a Hustlers or a Booksmart. So, no, I know what you're talking yeah. about. Carry on. And that just frustrates me. And there's also just a clear, like, ignorance coming from, like, film Twitter Like, I saw someone reply um, saying, well, Dunkirk came out a few years ago. Why do we need another World War II movie? Uh, It's not even World War II. It's called 1917. (laughs) So it's this whole thing. And I really keep seeing, like, Dunkirk exists. Why should 1917 exist? They're very different movies. They're very, different. Yeah. very different. They're very good. Yeah, but yeah, they are completely different. different. And but that's like saying it's the same as Saving Private Ryan, just because it's about the war. And mm. it, it, they're all completely different, and I don't know. It just frustrates me. It's like there's there's a billion coming of age movies. Let there be a billion coming of age movies, so there mm. can be a billion yeah. more movies. They're gonna happen. They're gonna keep happening. We can't stop it from happening. Why not celebrate a good one? I agree. Sorry, I ranted. I agree. And that is the end of my PowerPoint presentation. (laughs) (laughs) No, I I completely agree with that. And I think on that, that, I think that's where people get it wrong. When they say, why do we need another war movie? This is a very different film. It's shot differently. It's edited differently. It tells a different perspective. It tells a different story. Mm -hmm. And like you said, why can't we have stories like that? The argument isn't that we we never should have another 1917. The argument is that we should be funding films like 1917 as well as films like Booksmart, Hustlers, Little Women, um, The Farewell. You know, mm-hmm. it's equality. It's equality across the board. They're looking in the wrong direction for placing the blame. Yes. And I think it's just because they probably don't like 1917 mm-hmm. and they're probably looking for a film they can vent their anger onto. Maybe because Sam Mendes isn't a particular popular um, filmmaker in the film Twitter community or just film Twitter in general. 
Um, obviously, he's made John's, James Bond films, which are very masculine, very, you know, they're not a big award season films. This is probably the first time we've probably seen Sam Mendes in mm. the award season since he did Revolutionary Road, perhaps? Yeah, yeah I think so. So it's, I think they're just putting the wrong blame out there. But no, I completely agree with you. It's it's wrong to put, like you said, it's historically inaccurate. We don't need to put women in the trenches in 1917. There are stories about women from the war. Make those Exactly, films. yeah. It's like when they, it's like the argument between casting black actors in superhero roles. There are black comic books. There are black... Let's bring those forward. Let's give those a spotlight rather than just casting someone in a role that's going to cause controversy, that's going to cause outrage. Let's... Like Black Panther. It's great they made Black Panther, but if they didn't make Black Panther and just cast, I don't know, Michael B. Jordan as Hawkeye, it wouldn't have had the same impact, would it? Hmm. So... Because I think there's, there's something to being able to tell that story i think sure you know like michael b jordan probably would have been a better hawkeye but at the same time you know when there are stories about women real stories or already written stories about women or people of color that authentically show their experience that's powerful and that's what's going to really you know bring that perspective so that's where there's probably a great story about a woman in like you could in 1917 you could tell the story of the one woman that's in it and that would be an interesting story maybe someone will make a story Mm. like that but i don't think it's the movie's fault that she's not the center of the movie yeah would have been a twist would have been a twist (laughs) Can you imagine? <laughs> just if we switch just over. Yeah. Behind, like, he just got shot, <laughs> and then we just follow this woman. Yeah. It would just... it's, it's a strange argument. I think a lot of war films have a stigma to them, and even myself, like, when I was younger, I used to think, oh, I don't really like war movies. They're boring. Mm. They're, like... They're, you know, like, they said there was, like... What's, what's it called? The dad dad film genre. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's definitely got that A bit of a dad, yeah. Yeah. But I, wouldn't, I wouldn't call 1917 a dad film. No. No, definitely not. Yeah. Even though my dad loved it. <laughs> yeah. My dad's seeing it today. I, I know he'll love it. <laughs> but I think my oh, hyper-masculine cousin that's going to see it with him won't. So I'm excited ah. to see what he thinks. Because it's a very anti-war war film it at is, the end it? of the day. It's yeah. not a very masculine film, is it? No. I did laugh there. I saw a tweet today when it said, how dare that guy say my brother looks like me but taller and it turns out to be Richard fucking Madden. <laughs> I think it's it's even funnier when you realise that he played Rob Stark and yeah. the other one he played... He played Tommen! Tommen, yeah. yeah. I didn't it's even, even know that. It's even weirder. Like, yeah, it just got whispered to me like, that's Tommen. I was like, oh my God. And then I realised it was in the cinema. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, I thought that was quite funny. I just love that Benedict Cumberbatch was just shut the fuck down. I was in there. I was like, "You fucking tell him. You go. You fucking tell him, George. You fucking tell fucking rude bitch." He's like, "Thank you. You just stopped a fucking war." This is why I wouldn't have lasted in the army. I would be like, "Yeah, go on." <laughs> what the fuck you saying? I I know. I, I don't love Benedict Cumberbatch. Like I used to really like oh, Sherlock, but like, oh, it was he was real hateable in this one, and I was happy was about so it. Annoying. Like, I was happy yeah, I got to not like him for a reason. You know what I mean? Like, there was a purpose behind not liking him. Yeah. 
little mustache. It was just like a, um, it was just like a tour of like, um, white, not white boy of the week, just like them typical British male actors. They were just ticking off boxes. Like, who should we have in this movie? We'll have, uh, we'll have the hot priest. We'll have Doctor Strange. We'll have Mark Strong. Let's throw in Rob Stark. We need, we need another one. Yeah, but to- Tobin, Tobin will do. We'll put him in. Um, and that was it. It was just like a tick box of yeah. like people turning up. Like I feel like it was like you know in a play when they walk on stage. I feel like we should applaud. <laughs> oh look, he's Andrew Scott. Yeah. I don't know oh, Mark Strong wasn't it either. And he, you hear his voice before you see his face. I'm like it's yeah. Mark Strong. Mm. And I had a professor that looked like kind of quite like Mark Strong. So every time I'm like, oh my god, it's Joe. It's my professor who scared me. <laughs> Hi Joe, if you're listening. Hey Joe. <laughs> Yeah, it's um, it was just a strange, just a strange concept, but yeah, it's a great film. I think it. I'm glad it's going to do well. It's a shame that George McKay has not been nominated, actually. But yeah, such a shame. I know. I so, think he should have. So we're going to talk about war films. Like I said, they've got a little bit of stigma behind them. I think in recent years we've seen some war films where they've kind of taken a different approach to it. It's not the standard. Sorry, Courtney. American glorification oh no i hate that shit talk shit (laughs) it's a little bit more it's a little bit more like intimate we see like either like a small group or like one person you see their journey and i think that's what makes them a little bit more like with 1917 you feel very close to the impact you feel very Mm, close to the mm -hmm. emotion you feel close to how he's feeling you're rooting for him as you go through it um so i think that's what's really like hit it there uh but so Mm -hmm. we're going to talk about some of the most popular ones and what we think about them whether they still hold up like you know, um, frequent actors, directors, because some actors bloody love war oh, films, yes. don't they? Yes. Jesus. So the most popular one, the one that obviously a lot of people come back to me and said was Saving Private Ryan. Yeah. And I've got a secret. <laughs> what? I've never seen Saving Private Ryan. What? <laughs> oh my God, you have to. Neha's father is in that movie. Go see it. <laughs> Literally, yes. He's yeah, so I've, good. I've never, <laughs> so good. I'm sorry. No, don't be sorry, but you would genuinely like it, I think. It's one of those yeah, you would definitely where like it's it. very close and personal. It's very good. Okay. It's my favourite war film. Is it? Yeah, but having said that, I've now seen 1917 twice, so I, I mean, say. this could... Yeah, but no, I love Saving Private Ryan. It was also... Probably one of the first war films I remember watching because my year eight history teacher played it for us. We never finished it because obviously it's a one hour lesson. But I remember I stepping away from that, that like, oh. yeah. And that was back in the day so when like, you couldn't just go home and whack it on Netflix. Like mm. if you if you didn't finish a film back then, like you didn't finish the film. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that was it. Um, okay, so I, I, will, I will see it. It's very um, Another one of the most popular responses I had back was actually Hacksaw Ridge. I haven't seen that. Oh, I've not seen Hacksaw Ridge. Yeah, so Hacksaw Ridge came out a few years ago. Um, it's obviously starred Andrew Garfield. It was actually directed by Mel it Gibson. It was. It was mm. Mel's mighty comeback. I know. I And I remember at the time thinking, that's such a random like placement. But he was nominated for Best Director, and the film was nominated for Best Picture. And it, it did really, really well. It just kind of missed out, because that was the year that, obviously, everything got moonlight. Uh, one the last great Oscar season that we had. And yes. that's a group. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, yeah, so Hacksaw Ridge again, very intimate mm-hmm. film. Uh, very 
Well, it is patriotic, but it tells a different story. It tells, like, one particular situation. And I think they did a really good job of it. I really enjoyed Hacksaw Ridge. And it seems to be very popular because everyone who come back to me from Instagram was like, Hacksaw Ridge, Hacksaw Ridge, Hacksaw Ridge. Um, so, yeah, Hacksaw Ridge. But you've both not seen it. No, no. Okay, well, now I don't feel bad about not watching Saving Private Ryan. <laughs> no. I'm not sure it's on the same level. Oh, well, I'm you just know, kidding. I haven't seen I'm it kidding. now, so... I'm kidding. <laughs> Mel Gibson, Steven Spielberg, you know, <laughs> potato, potato. Yeah. <laughs> Another very popular one is The Pianist. This is the heartbreaking film mm. um, from another great director, Roman Polanski. Oh, oh I forgot that was Roman Polanski. <laughs> so did I. I've been I wish running I didn't around know it was him. saying oh. that the only Polanski movie I'll still watch is Rosemary's Baby. I've been lying. <laughs> God damn. Mm. God so this is about the uh, Polish Jewish magician who struggles to survive uh, the destruction of World War Two. It stars Adrian Brody. He won the Oscar. He for this did. Movie. He jumped yes. over the chairs and everything. Did. did he not kiss Halle Berry, or was that something else? I think that was when he kissed that Halle Berry. Sounds- yeah, weird. it sounds like because isn't this where he like they tried to play him off and he was like, no, stop, I'm gonna. Finish. I think so. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, because he spoke about... It was a political message he said, but I can't remember what it was for. Um, but yeah, this is one of the most popular ones. This film broke me. Like After oh, yeah. I watched it, I did not feel the same. And when I actually visited Auschwitz, I actually did think about this film a lot. And honestly, mm. it just... It broke me. And again, that's a war film that's not particularly about combat. Yeah. Not particularly about battle. But it's about the, the effects mm-hmm. on, well, human... Just, just, just human emotion, isn't it? Mm. Just absolute devastation so yeah again it's a film i used to look at and think that looks too long because this is another thing a lot of war films are very long mm-hmm. aren't they? they are yeah i was shocked that 1917 came under two hours by like five minutes i was same. shocked yeah same if nolan directed that it would have been three and a half hours probably <laughs> casablanca hmm i've not what? seen it i haven't seen <laughs> oh, it <okay. laughs> I've not seen I'm it. I'm so glad that These we're together. Two in this. Judging me for not seeing Private Ryan. We can't say and y'all anything. Y'all haven't even seen Casablanca. I've seen parts of it. I don't, I don't blame you. I mean, it it did come out like 1942. It's fine. Um, again, and a film that's not about combat. It's more about love and relationships and the bad Tesco advert they made about it years later. <laughs> did they? Um, yeah, did you not see it? Tesco did, like... Tesco's a supermarket over here, mm-hmm. They did this um, advert where they, like, dubbed Humphrey Bogart's lines about, like, shopping oh! for vegetables. Yes, I do remember this. Oh, yeah, that yeah. was so weird. Mm. Oh, God, yeah. <laughs> and now I also remember it because it's the poster that's playing in the background of one of the murder videos. Literally, that's what I was going to say. Like, I can't... I've not seen it yet. <clears throat> so you, I, you, I don't know yeah. if I want to watch it. You, I feel like you have to watch it as like an educational piece just to see how powerful people who spend a lot of time on the internet are. I'm not talking about the killer. I'm talking about the people that call him. Okay. Like, I feel like if I ever go missing, film Twitter will find me. Oh, yeah. We'll do it. Like, yeah. we're, like we're safe. We're, we're fine. <laughs> we're fine. We're fine. Um, let's talk about Francis Ford Coppola. Apocalypse Now. So, mm. see, this film has a lot of... Well... <laughs> this is known as the film where he lost his mind, isn't it? Yeah. He did. He definitely. Uh, but, <laughs> but the stars are massive. Martin Sheen, Marlon Brando, Robert Duvall. Um, have you guys seen this film? Yes. I watched it on a plane. Oh, my God. That's 
also yeah. interesting choice. It's because I'd never seen it before, but everyone always banged on about it. So I was like, oh, it's And then be you're a long forced flight. to sit through it because you're on a plane. Oh, my God, yeah. I totally relate with you on that. I do yeah. usually, when I go on a plane, I will literally download things that have been on my watch list that I've never got around you're to for like forced, years. Yeah. I will have to watch you because I will have no choice. I did also think Apocalypse Now was Apocalypto when I started watching it, and, and it, it was not the same movie because I'd not seen either of them. More Mel Gibson. He keeps sneaking his way yeah. in here. I. Yeah. Okay, here's the thing. I'll admit. I've only ever seen Apocalypse Now redo, which adds another hour or so to it. Well, oh, I don't know why that was a thing. It's like the only version of the DVD that you can get. Like, it's hard oh. to find normal. So I'm like, Dad, happy Father's Day. Of course, he loves Apocalypse Now. It's a dad movie. Um, so dad movie. I, like, would like it more than I do. Vietnam movies are my favorite. I, I'm not going to say that's my favorite war because that's a horrible statement to make. But, like, I like Vietnam movies a lot. Um, and it's not, it's one of my lower ranked. But I, I honestly think it's because there's, like, an hour of bullshit where they're, like, not really doing anything important it's just additional things where they're like eating with the french army and random things but it's one of those things mm. where like you, the effort that it took to make it is insane and it's incredible and it mm. is i think it's probably francis ford coppola's best movie as far as like the whole package i like dracula the best but <laughs> it's easy one thing i feel like people don't talk about him a lot actually I think so he's not made anything for a very long yeah. time. Um, but the scale of the films that he made, I mean, just putting Godfather aside, he was fantastic. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's still alive, I don't know what I'm saying, but he's not dead. Um, but yeah, it's. I think him and Stanley Kubrick, so we're going to talk about Paths of Glory next, they really were great war directors, but they're not films they're actually remembered for, are they? Like, when no. you think of Francis Ford Coppola, you think of Godfather. Always, yeah. You yeah. think of Stanley Kubrick, you think of... Every other one, one, yeah. The Shining, like, every other film he made. Mm. But those films were actually amazing. I feel like back then as well, you made a war movie as, like, your route to being a director. Yeah. Whereas now, you don't. Yeah. I mean, you can do. I mean, I'd love to see Lulu Wong like rock a war movie. Could you imagine? Be amazing. That would be amazing. amazing. It would be. Be amazing. Um, so yeah, uh, Inglorious Bastards. <laughs> nah, feel free to go to the toilet. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to so check again, out, guys. <laughs> so again, this is a, a, a different type of war movie. Not necessarily about combat. More about the background spies. Um, coops and things like this um very nazi orientated because that's another thing i thought i thought all the war films were about nazi germany but obviously as you can tell a lot of american films you've got the vietnam war you've got the illegal war i mean sorry afghanistan war <laughs> you've got um and then obviously you've got world war one and world war two mm-hmm. uh with inglorious bastards it probably kickstarted me thinking actually you know what war movies aren't all that bad mm-hmm. but that's because it's a zany kind of take on it isn't it yeah, that's it's perfect. I love it we, so we much. Really it's the much dumbass reason it. I went to damn film school. So I want to fight Quentin Tarantino because of it, because that was a mistake. But I love it still. It's so good. It's his best movie, in my it's opinion. Okay. We all make mistakes. Just look at Mel Gibson. It's fine. <laughs> um, and then back onto Sandy Kubrick, obviously, Full Metal Jacket. He made, like, half war movies. When you look at his filmography, 
I love Full Metal Jacket so much. It's so good. Uh, Vincent D'Onofrio is so good. And then it just turns into a different movie. And I love Matthew Modine so much. Oh, it's so good. Stanley. It's, I was going to say, it's one of those films you put on and you think it's going to be one thing, but then it's actually um, And it's a stunning movie. Honestly, I could talk about Stanley Kubrick all day. Yeah. Honestly, I really could. He's so He's you guys just, should do an episode about Stanley Kubrick. I'd listen. I think, yeah. I think we're going to have to do I'll that. I'll do it. I think we're going to have to do that. Um, Braveheart. Another Mel Gibson. Why is Mel Gibson coming? We're going back in time. I don't think I thought about him this much. Do, ever. Do you know it's funny? I actually watched a Mel Gibson movie the other day. I watched that Dragged Across Concrete. Oh yeah, how what was is, that? With Vince Vaughn. It was long. <laughs> I was like two hours fifty. What? Um, but no, it was good. It was decent actually. It was a good little film. But um, yeah, I just that's what got. Maybe I've got like a thing. Mel Gibson's just—he's here. He's in I the do, air. Just to clarify, I do not have a thing for Mel Gibson. I want to strongly <laughs> confirm that. Um, yes, Braveheart. So again, this is about William Wallace. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're going right back in time here, aren't we? Yeah, mm. way back in time. Um, I've not seen Braveheart. Nope, me neither. I like Braveheart. It's good. I I enjoy it. I don't know. Mel, I feel weird about Mel Gibson. You know, it's hard now to like be like, yeah, I'm going to throw Braveheart on because I just look at Mel Gibson and I'm like, oh, yeah, you've said and done some things, my friend. Um, but it's a good movie. I think he directed that one too, right? He did, he yeah. Did. Was that, I think that was his first. I think so. Movie. There's another good one that's probably not on this list because I don't know anyone else who's ever seen it. A war movie that he's in. It's World War One, and it's Australian soldiers, and he's in it. It's called Gallipoli, and it's kind of a similar thing to 1917, where he has to like deliver messages to stop. Mm-hmm. Okay. It's very good. So he's a baby, like right after Mad Max, Mel Gibson. So yeah, Gallipoli. It's a good mm-hmm. one. We'll have a look. Um, Lawrence of Arabia. I still can't get over how long this film is. I've never seen it. This film is three hours, 48 minutes long. That's probably oh why I haven't it. seen it. <laughs> yeah. I, it's I, like I an Indian movie. Bay. It's ridiculous. Um, I have never seen this, obviously. When Peter O'Toole died, it was very mm-hmm. popular. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of people talk about it, but no, I've, I've never seen it. It's one of them films that my dad used to go on about, like, mm-hmm. Ben-Hur. Yeah. Like, yeah. if it was on the telly on, like, boxing, they'd be like, oh, my God, Ben Harris. I'm like, yes, Dad, it is, for six hours. <laughs> That's a half a day when you're mm. awake. <laughs> so, I know. Das Boot. Mm. This came up a few times from people on Twitter, actually. I've um, not seen Das Boot. Oh, um, talk about long. <laughs> and it's oh, all in a oh, submarine. Yeah? I have been subjected it's to dust. Two hours twenty nine. Oh, it feels like it's five hours. Then, excuse me, that it felt. Oh man, my dad loves dust boot. He loves submarines, and it's just—it's right. a good <laughs> movie. Like I'm not going to deny it's a good movie. But oh, I've seen it like four times. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh gosh, in heaven. Um. Okay, The Great Escape. So obviously, this is mm-hmm. about uh, Steve McQueen, James Garner, Richard Attenborough. Whenever I see Richard Attenborough name, I just always think of his brother. Um, oh, same. So Allied prisoners from of war plan for several hundred of their numbers. Number that is a terribly written sentence. Who has wrote that? Um, basically, they try and escape mm-hmm. a German camp during World War Two. This is one of those films that when you're at film school, they talk about a lot to the point where you mm-hmm. think, "I'm not going to watch that film." It's very rebellious, isn't it? <laughs> but yeah, have you guys seen The Great Escape? Long time nope. ago. 
my dad made me watch it I feel it like once. I could. Yeah, I feel like I caught some of it on TV, but it never... I've never I just, sat I, down I with the it. intention. Yeah. Mm. Exactly. Um, two films about Vietnam. We've got Platoon and The Deer Hunter. Oh, mm-hmm. oh, I love Platoon. Platoon's so okay. good. Willem Dafoe's so in it. Oh, oh he is. He's yes. so good. <laughs> Courtney's having like a breakdown. I'm sorry, I fucking love Platoon. I love The Deer Hunter too. Those are like two of my favourites. So I was mm. gonna say these are films that are held in very very high regard, oh. um, and they they start. I mean, obviously Charlie Sheen, William Dafoe. This is back in Charlie days where Charlie Sheen was just Charlie Sheen and not Charlie Sheen, <laughs> um, and obviously Deer Hunter, Robert De Niro, um, Christopher Walken, and John Cazale. So, what is it about these two that you think stands out that makes them more like enticing than the other films that you think? Oh God, that's so long. Deer Hunter is about the trauma of war. It's not really mm. about war. Yeah. The, half the movie is not in Vietnam. It's about the mm-hmm. effect of having to go to war and coming back from war. Done better than I've ever seen it in a movie. I think like that's what American Sniper was trying to do and failed. It's a very mm-hmm. hard thing to, to show. Um, oh, we're going to talk about America. Oh, I'm Sniper. sure that we will. And <laughs> Platoon, I, I don't know what it is about it. It just, I don't know if it's the cast. I don't know. I think it, it shows mm. how messed up Vietnam was and how yeah. the American soldiers were put in such a bad headspace. They were so mentally disturbed by it that they went as far as to, you know, hurt women and children, hurt fellow americans and i think it really just shows like how awful war can be yeah i always i always because with vietnam war like i I didn't realize that like y'all didn't win oh no because there's so many there's so many films about it i thought why would they make all these films if they didn't win it's like if i'm not gonna i'm not gonna say what i was gonna say but like i just it it just confused me and Mm -hmm. then when i started watching them i was like hang on a minute (laughs) they didn't win yeah (laughs) I don't know. It's a strange I thing because obviously American America is a very patriotic country. They mm. love talking about their achievements as well. We've got so many films about the Afghanistan war and the Iraq war and the Iran war. Mm. And then with Vietnam, it's it's strange, Ooh. isn't it? Yeah, because I don't know. Has anyone seen the Green Berets? No, no, I've not seen that. So that's like this really old John Wayne movie that I caught once, um, and I was interested in it just because it was so pro. I think it was. It was really anti-communist and really kind of pro-South Vietnam. And um, then I did some Googles, and apparently Platoon was made by Oliver Stone, obviously based on his own experiences in Vietnam, but also as a kind of direct, indirect conflict with the Green Berets, which is why he had such an issue getting Platoon um, funded or, like, backed or produced or something, because people were like, this is far too real. And, you know, I don't think they were ready to deal with you guys losing that war yeah no i mean when when soldiers came back from vietnam they were like they threw rocks at them and they spit on them and that's a lot of the like homeless vets that we have out on the streets are vietnam vets because they were treated so poorly and they had no resources and so many people were against the war from the beginning that when mm. they came back on top of them, it just not going well. There were already, they didn't, it wasn't a war that most of the country wanted. And I think Green Berets, mm. I don't know if this is true. I think it's the only movie about Vietnam that was made during Vietnam. And I think that's why it's so propaganda-y. Right. 
Yeah. Yeah. I didn't know that about like 68 or something. I didn't know that about Oliver Stone like making it in kind of retaliation. That's really cool. It makes a lot of sense. Yeah. That's really cool. I love that's the thing. I love filming is that just just like, yeah, well, and I'm still going to do it. Mm -hmm. Like, whatever. That's what I think. Obviously, when we think about the recent wars that we've lived through, obviously, the well, they call it the war on terror, but we we just, well, the war that we went through in the early 2000s. You got filmmakers like Michael Moore, love or hate him. He dared to uncover the truths of that, which made his films very popular. I mean, they're documentaries, but it was it like you wouldn't have had that back in the days of Vietnam oh, no. and World mm. War Two because it was all about no, we've got to be patriotic, we have to be positive, we have to be forthcoming. Whereas you know nowadays people have got the not guts, but people have got the confidence to say no, that's no, you, I don't want that war. And mm. I don't know, we'll get on to like Catherine Bigelow mm. that a little bit later. Um, the Imitation Game. So this come out only only six years ago. That feels bizarre. Six years ago. That Holy shit. Um, yeah. So again, this is a different take on war. Mm-hmm. So it's during World War Two, but it's about Alan Turing. Uh, mm-hmm. It's obviously about the German Enigma Code. This is about a remember the LGBTQ community as well. Um, so, I mean, did you guys like this film? I know it's Benedict Cumberbatch. We've just slagged him off. <laughs> That's like the last I Benedict Cumberbatch thing I liked. Loved this yeah, film. yeah, I did like this film. I thought it was, I thought it was, just I made loved really it. well, and um, it was quite lovely actually. And I think when I watched it with him, I thought because I was put off off the film by him. Mm-hmm. Has he done something bad? Because I feel like I'm lukewarm. It's just I'm like, like I done don't with it. Him. I think it's like it's not his fault. It's like the fans. It's one of those. I also okay. think I don't know. Like I, I, don't, I don't know, Courtney. I think he's done something. <laughs> <laughs> no, because I was like, I don't want to be like. Oh, oh no, no, no! He hasn't done any. Like him. he, he doesn't need to be like canceled or he's he's not Mel Gibson. That's what I'll say. He didn't okay, pull fine. a Mel. <laughs> okay. Um, I just think there's something. I think it's. Sort of I'm an ex tumblr sherlock girl mm-hmm. so like mm-hmm. i'm it's more that i hate myself i don't hate him <laughs> oh wow but i love the imitation game and i think like that's the Same. last time i remember being like holy shit like the man can act mm. i'm just googling is benedict cumberbatch a tory <laughs> oh probably he probably is you know <laughs> you're trying to There's find no a reason is he not he joined a protest to um, to scrap the Human Rights Act. Huh? Uh, no, no, no. He joined a protest to stop the Conservatives. From, huh. uh, I don't, I don't really know. We're just it. being just, bitchy. That's it. He's a good actor. I don't know. It's just his face, I guess. <laughs> um, let's throw it right back to Howard Hawks to have and to have not so this is our bogey and book call mm-hmm. 1944 um, so this is well it's a romance film really isn't it it's film noir you've got gorgeous Lauren Bacall have you guys seen this? nope, nope. I know about it <laughs> it's a beautiful film and again it's a war film and I think this is the, when you look at the 40s and 50s a lot of the films that were romance films were about wars mm-hmm. so the women that were in them were usually femme fatales they were spies they were you know secretly German a little bit like the thing Glory Sparks in the role that Diane Kruger plays yeah mm. yeah but no that's that's a lovely film but again that's the thing you can watch a war movie and it can be a romance mm-hmm. which brings me to my next film Atonement haha <laughs> This film came out 13 years ago. 
Can I admit something worse than your Saving Private Ryan thing, I guess? I've never seen yes, Atonement. That's okay, because I knew what she liked a couple of years Oh, okay. Ago. <laughs> I've heard it's I great. don't love Atonement. Okay. Tell me why, because I didn't, I didn't, it didn't take my breath away as much as I thought it was going to. Yeah, I don't, it, I, it just felt very bland. Like, it was just, there was just something about it that didn't grip me, like, the way it did everyone else. And that's, like, the same thing with The Joker, which I ended up watching mm-hmm. in the end. People are like, oh, I, I don't know what you think about that movie. And I was like, because I don't. Like, I don't love it, and I don't Because <laughs> yeah. I don't think about it. it. Just, <laughs> it's just, Boom. it is. Um, but Sasha Ronan was so good in that film. That's what well, I've this heard. is my beef with the film. If you're yeah. saying Saoirse Ronan's in a film, Saoirse Ronan's in the film from the start to the end. Saoirse <laughs> Ronan's not in the film from the start to end of Atonement, okay? No, she's not. Put some stilts in her. She grew a little bit taller. You know, you could have done something, but no, you just recast some other woman because mm. she was a bit taller. <laughs> Offensive. <laughs> this was filmed nearby where I live now. Ooh. Oh, um, cool. Yeah, so it's uh, quite popular because of because of that aspect but no it was very hyped at the time and obviously coming from a tumbler, film tumbler background i just mm. remember constantly seeing the gifs and the edits and off the green fields and all this stuff mm. um but for me this is this is a typical like a mum's film club film okay you know that we you know that we were talking about like a dad film I yeah this is like a mum's film club like they get they, they get the wine they get the cheese and then they sit around. I'd be like in Sopranos, where like Carmela invites them around for a film night. This is a very mum film, isn't it? Mm. It has that energy. Yeah. That's that well. Um, Spartacus. So again, Stanley Kubrick. He fucking loves it, didn't he? Mm. I have she you seen it. Spartacus? No, I have seen Spartacus. My dad made me. Watch I don't it. love Spartacus. I th- I'm not surprised. It's three hours long. It's not even just that. It's that it was. Cut, sorry, Kara is eating my new basket. Oh no, Kara, get out! <laughs> She's looking at me like, yeah, and what, bitch? <laughs> no, you've been told off about this. Oh. So, sorry about that. I'm at war with my daughter. All oh, good. The thing about Spartacus for me is it feels like Stanley Kubrick was hired to make it, which totally was the case because it was before he was Stanley Kubrick. They were just like, we want a Spartacus movie here. You do it. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's a still a good movie. It's just I'm not really a big fan of, like, the ancient epics of the 60s, the 50s, 60s, so... It's um, when I went to the Stanley Kubrick exhibition. I think Sparkus was one of the. I think he made, that's the, the film he made before he did Full Metal Jacket. I think. Um, oh no! It was before he, Space Odyssey because oh. Full Metal Jacket was the eighties. Paths of Glory. Paths of yes. Glory. That's what I yeah. mean. Yeah. Um, but he didn't have a lot of creative control with Sparkus. Mm-hmm. I think they they were even like really picky with the posters. Oh, okay. Like he was used to picking the posters, and they were like really even picky with that. Um, but the the cast is great. Oh but, yeah, like, Kirk, Kirk Douglas again. <laughs> that was a war movie, Kirky. <laughs> Kirk Douglas, loads of <laughs> He is still alive. <laughs> Good for him. And and mm. Tony Curtis. Mm-hmm. Um, mate, I can't believe Kirk Douglas is still alive. <laughs> He's still going. Every year on his birthday. I feel like his birthday is on the news every year. Oh, yeah. Every year. They're like, <laughs> yeah. Everyone's just They're like, shocked. Clark Douglas is 103. Every year my dad goes, he's still alive. And I was like, yes, dad. Yeah. Yeah. Um, didn't we have a conversation on here before about Kirk Douglas, Michael Douglas, 
Keith Sutherland. Charlie Sheen. Charlie Sheen. Sheen. There was like this weird confusion about who was whose kid. <laughs> and who's alive and who isn't. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's the spark. My dad maybe watched this film when I was younger. And it, that's probably what put me off war movies for a while. Because like I said, it's three. And this is back in the day, like when a film was on telly, it was on telly for like six Oh, hours. yeah. Mm. Yeah, it, you know, it's it's a, it's a cool film. Yeah. Like, I don't, I, I don't like pop it on like when I'm feeling like up or something, but you know, it's it's there. Um, Dunkirk. So this is this is really high up there. A lot of people do love this film. There's a lot of hype around this film. Obviously, this was on the back of Interstellar. It was shorter than his previous films. Obviously, we had the Dark Knight trilogy, which is all about two hours, two two and a half hours. Interstellar was two hours fifty. Carl, I swear to God, if you eat that trying to have a nice house with nice things but no she just wants to eat everything um and then he made Dunkirk one hour 46 it's three different stories it's not really like a natural narrative is it no it's quite bizarre and obviously the main thing everyone was excited about was the fact that Harry from One Direction was in it Mm -hmm. how do you guys feel about Dunkirk because we didn't have the podcast back when this came out so we've never really spoken about it before um I loved it I really enjoyed Dunkirk. I really enjoyed how, like you said, it was different. How it's told in those three parts. I thought Harry Styles was really good in it too. I was surprised by it. He wasn't bad. Yeah. I yeah. I thought it was enjoyable. Um, it didn't feel like the kind of film that you would get from Nolan. Yeah. But it worked for me. Um, was I expecting something a little more like woohoo after Interstellar? Probably. But it was still... I enjoyed it. It wasn't, I feel like, uh, I, I, I do love the film, but it's not like, like you get to the end of a lot of Nolan's films and you're like, wow. Mm-hmm. Mm. But the, with the end of Dunkirk, I was like, yeah, that was good. Yeah. I... So I know what you mean. Don't adore Dunkirk. I don't think it's a bad movie. I think it is a well-oiled yeah. machine of a movie. It's made really <laughs> well. The narrative structure is super interesting, but I did not mm-hmm. give a crap about one of the characters i just did not connect with them at all i feel like you yeah. didn't get enough time with any of them the one i felt for the most was tom hardy because it was tom hardy not because of the character building it was like oh it's tom hardy i love tom hardy mm-hmm. so that's what frustrated me and that's why i'm really aggravated with the comparisons of Don kirk and 1917 because i think that 1917 is a much more like i care about these boys like, yeah, I feel yeah. for them, and I didn't feel that with Dunkirk. And that could just be me, because I know a lot of people love no, it. No, I think I agree with yeah. that. Yeah, but it's it's brilliantly that, yeah. made. Christopher Nolan knows how to direct a damn movie. You know what I mean? There's no... Mm. You can't argue with that. But I agree that, like, after Interstellar, I thought I expected more. I don't know. I love Interstellar. I think yeah. it's great. <laughs> it's, a weird, it's a weird dynamic, isn't it? Because um, he's gone from... Interstellar, which is, I mean, he's the thing about Christopher Nolan that he's like an auteur director, mm-hmm. like he has a whole style mm. and you, he has like a, a stamp on his movie. And I mean, we'll do a podcast on him as well because I can talk for years. Um, with Interstellar, like he created something that was very different, um, an element of kind of like space films that we haven't really seen before. Mm-hmm. It had a lot of 2001 influences, he had a fantastic mm. cast, not that Dunkirk didn't, but Dunkirk, it was kind of like it was. It was his signature, but it didn't feel like a Christopher Nolan movie. Maybe because you, like you said, call it like you didn't have enough time with the characters to mm, yeah. really connect them. Which character did you not really feel for? The the whole Harry Styles group, like the ones on the beach. I feel like it's just all happening, 
And I get mm. that there's a certain element of that, like, that's war. But mm. I don't know. You look at, like, Saving Private Ryan's crazy. There's a bunch of stuff happening. But boy, do I feel for them. And that's a big group of yeah. soldiers. So I don't know. I It just... And I think it's it's that every time you would get invested in that part of the story, it would switch back to the boat or switch back. And I think that that's a super... Yeah. Like, I, I don't think that ruins the movie because I think showing a movie in that narrative structure especially that story of dunkirk like those three elements are crucial to that battle i think it was Mm. worth sacrificing some character development for how it was made i agree with that yeah me too okay so let's talk about Catherine bigelow because she gave us well two of the two of her most popular films um have been released in like our time um what did you guys think i'm sorry to ask you this because i know you're a massive jeremy renner fan what did you think of the hurt locker i do love the hurt locker same despite jeremy renner (laughs) yeah it's i think the one thing is it's one of the movies about afghanistan and iraq that shows how stupid that Mm -hmm. war is Mm -hmm. it's not patriotic it's just shitty like it's just a shitty situation Mm -hmm. and i think jeremy renner does an incredible job and Catherine bigelow directed the hell out of that movie it is oh Oh, for sure yeah no i think it's um again we i think we've said like that i think the key to success in like what i don't know for us anyway with a war film is to be given a character with a story that you can relate to be empathic to whether in a good way or a bad way and i really do think that it it did that really well mm-hmm. um and then obviously zero dark 30 come along everyone was very hyped for it because the hurt locker did amazing or she mm. be- she become the first ever director to win best director probably the last um <laughs> what did you guys think of zero dark 30 it was okay it didn't do a lot for me and it, it, I was surprised that it didn't do a lot for me, given how much I like The Hurt Locker and given how much I like Jessica Chastain. Um, I don't, maybe it was... Because I feel like the year that it came out, there were a lot of films that came out that were really, really good. So maybe it just mm-hmm. kind of... That was a tough year. That was a yeah, tough year. So it could have just been one of those. But yeah, I mean, it was, it was good. It was enjoyable. Um, if it came on TV, I'd watch it again. But I don't know. It just missed the mark a little bit. I think everything I you, you said, yeah. I agree. Hmm definitely it's um i think it wrapped up a lot of what happens obviously the main theme was that it was about the assassination mm-hmm. of assassination the capture wasn't it of mm-hmm. osama bin laden but it wrapped up so much and i remember it got to a point during watching it where you get to the part where they do the london bombings and my heart just sank and i just thought oh my god this feels like like it just didn't feel i know it felt wrong almost to be watching it mm-hmm it's mm. weird and it just made me i don't know it was a strange it was bizarre it was great to see like we've obviously one of the themes we talked about in this episode it's women in yeah. The war yeah it was great to see that because that's, that's probably the first film i saw where it was a war film with a women at the front of it with women at the front of it yeah um, and jessica chastain was amazing mm-hmm. she should have won the oscar but let's not get into that because i've got therapy that tells me i shouldn't um it was great to see that and we've not seen a film since that with that same female presence no Mm-mm. yeah we've not Mm-mm. we have seen an american sniper though <laughs> american now, i never sniper. watched this so you guys what is what is this film what is this film it is everything wrong with my country 
<laughs> it truly is though i walked out yeah. of that movie and i was crying because i was so upset about just the entire really? it so upset me because the worst part is if you took this man's story and you told it not the way that clint eastwood did it would be okay. riveting because it is the story of a man who is rocked by ptsd to a point where mm -hmm. ptsd takes his life because he starts to get help and he starts to counsel other soldiers with ptsd and he is okay. he is murdered by one of them and that to me is the oh. that should be the movie not all the shit of him in that. afghanistan being the best sniper ever the movie oh sorry so that's not the movie no no that's the end that's the end of the movie there's a little thing they show him getting in his truck going to leave to like help counsel people mm. and then there's a little blurb at the end that says chris kyle was killed on this date by this man oh so they didn't even show him being killed mm -mm. And that is so an incredible, that is an impactful story that would really hit mm. the nail on the head about what is wrong with how America treats its veterans. But instead, yeah. it's yeah. two hours of him being the best sniper. And they do show some stuff of him not being able to deal with being home, which is okay. Mm -hmm. But like, do, don't you agree that it's still not done very well? Yeah, no, it's not. It just, it, it's just a huge glorification. Like mm -hmm. that's all you're watching. Yeah. And it was just not my jam. I didn't know that. I yeah. didn't know that that's... I mean, I knew I that that's either. how it ended, but I didn't realize that... Hmm. Like, that would be an incredible be movie. Yeah, for sure. That's such a shame. Because, yeah, because the way that I kind of uh, well, heard about it was just the fact of... It was very glorification, yeah. and obviously it had mm. that weird baby that wasn't really a baby. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. It was it was strange, but that that aspect I think we model that as the the not the worst war film because obviously it was very popular. Yeah, but like the film that you you don't want to see a war movie. Like yes, that. and it's weird because we don't. This is why this is why I think it's an American thing because you don't get a lot of British films that like do mm -hmm. that. Mm. It, it's strange, isn't it? Do you think we? I don't know any British war film that's like apart from like the ones about Winston Churchill. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so just flashing back to the Vietnam War, you've got Born on the 4th of July. So this is Oliver Stone again. Um, this is very him. So obviously it uh, stars Tom Cruise and it's about Ron Kovic, uh, who was paralysed in the war and then becomes, he becomes an anti-war and pro-human rights political activist afterwards. Have you guys seen this? Yes. No. It is literally the anti-American sniper. Everything I just said about American sniper, this movie addresses because he starts mm. out is it worth watching huh? oh it's incredible it's it's incredible okay, okay. because he's at the beginning of the movie tom cruise is literally all american boy like i want to fight for my country like my dad fought for my country like that's the greatest thing i can do and to see his transition from the brainwashed you know good old mm -hmm. american boy to this anti-war hero it's incredible and he should, gives such an incredible performance again it You've just described Jojo Rabbit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which I also love. That sounds great. 
I, 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 well, I feel weird, but I'm a fan of Tom Cruise's movies. I'm not a fan of the person. I am too. But Same. I, yeah, it's, it's, it's one that I've not seen, so I will give that Yeah, it's for really Oliver Stone. Is so good. Did you guys ever see Unbroken, the Angelina Jolie film? I didn't know, but it had Jack O'Connell in it too, didn't it? It did, and he played an Italian guy. Oh. The guy huh. from Duck. I yeah, don't like wasn't. Unbroken. It's another propaganda machine one to me. It was, it was, and it was quite shocking actually to come from Angelina Jolie. I was, I was so quite, surprised. I was really disappointed in it actually. Um, it, it didn't do amazing, but she, uh, yeah, she did. Because what did she direct before that? Because that's when she was quite new into directing. It's another war, yes. isn't it? About um, in the land of blood and honey. Yeah, in, is that about Bosnia? Some, yeah, yeah, that's the one. Yeah. I wasn't a fan of that. But one thing I was a fan of is Fury. So this is the David Eyre film. Brad Pitt, Shia LaBeouf, Logan Lerman before he disappeared, Michael Penner, John Bernthal. John Bernthal's actually in this film for quite a while. So John yeah, Bernthal's yeah. got this history of yeah. when people say he's in a film, but actually he's not in a film. Yeah, he's a bit um, of a Sean Bean, isn't he? Yeah. He is, yeah. You're kind of like, you're here, but how long for? You know mm. what I'm saying? Um, if he was in Knives Out, I'd be like, he's dead. <laughs> he's the one. You know, he's the one. I loved Fury, and it's just just what we were saying. It's about an intimate selection of people, all very different. The passion's there. It's not tos- toxic masculinity. It's it's amazing. And this is Brad Pitt at his finest. Yeah. And people have been talking a lot about Brad Pitt recently, how they say he's a character actor that's trapped in an attractive yes. man's body. And that is such a brilliant take on him. Yeah. He's had a lot of bad press. Obviously, I think everyone kind of saw him as as like a Mr. Hollywood guy, didn't they? And obviously mm. you have the whole like Jennifer Aniston, Angelina Jolie thing going on and their divorce. But I think he is really coming into his own and this is one of his best performances, yeah. I'd say. Oh, for sure. I agree. That's great. And I think Shia LaBeouf as well really gave an amazing role mm. in this. Oh, Shia. It's, it's, it's a brilliant film and if you haven't seen it, you need to treat yourself because it is a fantastic film. Um, have you guys seen Black Hawk Down? Oh, yes. Yes, years ago. It's like one of those films that I barely remember, but I have definitely seen I it. I have seen Black Hawk Down probably six times. My father loves him some Black Hawk <laughs> Down. It's good. It's a good movie, but it's another. It's like Das Boot. I've seen it so many times. Mm. But it's, it's good, yeah. This cast is I incredible. Know, I really wanted to see it because Josh Harden it was yeah. there, and I really fancied him. I was like 10 back then. <laughs> I really fancied him. And he also disappeared. Hmm. He did disappear. He was in that yeah. show. What is it? Penny Dreadful. Penny um, Dreadful. Mm. I thought that I was going to be like the second coming and then that show disappeared and took him yeah. with it. Bring back yeah. Josh um, 2020. Bring back Josh. Last of the Mohicans. Have you guys seen this? I have not seen The Last of the Mohicans, but there's going to be a TV show that I think Ooh. Carrie Fukunaga is making. Ooh. Yes. Ooh, I didn't yes. know about that. I believe so. I'm just going to fact check that. <gasps> That's great if that's true yeah i like last of the weekends minus the fact that daniel i don't know you know the accent yeah i mean he's great in it still but you know what i mean it's it's weird it's 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 one of his it's not the best ddl movie ddl and last but not least it's pearl harbor oh so shite so this is the this is like the ultimate romantic war yeah. film that the Americans made. It's Michael Bay. I'm so sorry um, on behalf of us. <laughs> <laughs> 
Josh Hardnett's in it, obviously. He's another one that just loves a war movie. Um, I remember watching this with my grandmother and my great-aunt and uncle, and they all had bad eyesight. And so I, I'd lay on the floor, and they'd like, read me out the subtitles. Go on, Carrot, tell me what they've said. And um, after they hit Pearl Harbor, they were mm. like, don't tell me. I don't want to hear what they've said. <laughs> and I was just like, but you're missing half the movie. Like, Bong Joon Hong told us we can't be limited by subtitles. <laughs> That's amazing. Again, I was 10. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, very heavy Josh Hardnett year that year. It um, was, yeah. It's a terrible movie, isn't it? It's so bad. <laughs> it's so it is bad. so bad. Who's the girl in it? I- Kate Beckinsale. Oh, yeah. Jesus, that's right. Yeah. There's a few people in it, though, that are like, uh, like Jennifer Garner's mm-hmm. in it, Cooper Gooding Jr., Michael yeah. Shannon. Oh, no, uh, I don't remember Jake- that. Yeah. Michael Michael Shannon's like that guy that just appears everywhere, isn't he? In everything, yeah. He's like when he... Because he's in um, Groundhog Day, isn't he? He is, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he's a... I I hope he's doing well. Wherever you are, Shan Man, I hope you're doing well. (laughs) Um, Yeah, that's it. So there's a mixture, isn't there? There's a mixture of good, bad, cheesy, over-patriotic, no women, some women. Can I plug Um, two that I knew would never... Yes, I was going to say, have I missed any out, though? Because obviously that was like the most popular. Yeah, I have one too. You go ahead, Courtney. So, first of all, this year, in the year of our Lord, 2020, Criterion is allegedly releasing Come and See onto the Criterion Collection... Come and See is the best war movie ever made. It is a Russian movie about a young boy who just finds a rifle, like, buried in the sand, and then all of a sudden the Russian army's like, "Mm, you're in the war now, son. And it is traumatic. (laughs) It is beautifully made. Um, It's just, it's a surrealist, like, nightmare of what it was like to be in the Russian army during World War II. And it's, it's definitely Russian propaganda, but yeah. made like it was made i think in the 80s it's incredible so that's coming out on criterion this year so okay. and then birdie nice. is my other one that i'm going to plug it's another vietnam one also starring matthew modine and nicholas cage is in it as well and half the movie is about um their friendship when they're growing up as teenagers and then the second half of the movie is um Matthew Modine plays the character named Birdie, and he loves birds. That's why they call him Birdie. Mm. And he's definitely a little... He probably has some form of, like, autism or something, but they don't really touch on it because it's the 60s. And he's so affected by um, the war, he regresses into thinking he's a bird. And they bring Nicolas Cage in, who has suffered, like, a severe um, facial disfiguration, to come and talk to him and try to get him to not be a bird and it's wow. incredible it's su- I, no one talks about it super under the radar nicholas cage is so young in it and they're they're both incredible in it peter gabriel did the score i'm a big peter gabriel fan it's great those are my two oh nice yeah, it's nice to mention um nicholas cage yeah yeah national treasure national treasure three is in the works guys i'm ready oh national so treasure three yes. is in the works but not my yeah, are you kidding me are you fucking kidding me? Yeah, it's in the works. Sabrina season three <laughs> is in the works, but not Mindhunter season three. I quit the industry. I'm done. Um, Naha, what was your um, plugs you wanted to do? My plug was... So this was recommended to me on Twitter like two or three years ago, and I went to watch it. It's called Grave of the Fireflies. Okay. It's a Japanese anime film. It was made in the six, uh, the 80s, and it was based on in a short autobiographical story by... Akiyuki Nosaka, I think, 
is how you pronounce it. And it's like the saddest, when I say the saddest war film, I mean, it's an anime about like two kids. It's really sad, guys. I can't it's do it. Ki- I'm too no, it's scared. About two kids who in Japan and they're kind of like struggle um, to survive the last few months of the Second World War. And it's got, it does that very kind of anime thing where it's whimsical and happy and pretty and sort of has elements of kind of everything's going to be fine but is deep and dark and just... I think in, in many ways, like what we talked about 1917 being both beautiful and horrific at the same time, mm-hmm. um, I think this one does that one really well. So if anyone's looking for a really sad anime... I recommend Grave of the Fireflies because it's definitely one of my favourite films about the war. Sounds good. Mm. Yeah, I mean, we, we, that's the thing, we didn't really cover like world cinema, really. Um, so no, that's fantastic. I've just been reminded that there's another Mel Gibson movie about the war called The Patriot. <laughs> oh, of course. Oh yeah. my God, I forgot about The Patriot. Yeah. Yeah. That won Oscars as well, you know, Heath guys. He Heath Ledger's so did. cute in it, though. That's my only Ledger, statement yeah. on the Patriot. <laughs> Again, it's, it's. I just like I said. I think I was put off them because I was sat down as a child and forced to watch bloody Spartacus <laughs> um, and Ben Hur. So <laughs> I'm gonna be like, I say this, and when I have children, I'm like, kids, kids, get down the stairs, come on. It's like, what, mommy? We're gonna watch Interstellar. <laughs> <laughs> that is oh, me mommy, as a mom. Movie's so old. Shut your fucking mouth. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, like we said, there does need to be more war movies with women or, you know, I, 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 I don't know. We'll see, but there's a lot out there. It's a genre that I think's given that bad rep of the dad movie, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, so no, it's good. Some great choices there, guys. Thanks for mm. joining us this week and um, listing some more. Obviously, we've, we've even come up with some ideas for future episodes. I know. We have. Stanley Kubrick. It's been good. Christopher Nolan. What happened to Mel Gibson? <laughs> I was going to say, we got to do something about Mel Gibson. Mel Gibson, yeah. He's just like a, like, a, like a piece. I don't know what it was. I like spent time on his Wikipedia page after I watched that film the other day, and I was just like, where's the movie? You know? Mm. Oh. You? I think it'll be like a bit more like a six-part documentary, if you know what I'm saying. Oh. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that noise you made was amazing. It was a little. I'm not even. This is, this is so bad. It was a little too close to the Michael Jackson he he as we're talking about yes. multi part <laughs> documentaries. <laughs> Didn't even mean for it to happen. You you never see this is what I'm saying. You never see a positive multi episode documentary on someone. No, if you know what I'm saying. No, this is what this is why I got worried with the Tom Hanks film because mm. I thought, hmm, yeah. <laughs> It's just one movie. If it's one movie, it's okay. But when you got the... It's okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> just waiting for those words to come out one day. It's like, there's going to be a six-part documentary feature on Michael Shannon. No! <laughs> no! No. He's too pure. Um, how's your January's going? I'm just going to ask. Are you, how are you keeping positive with the new year? I've been okay, generally, but I have realised yeah. I've not really had a free weekend off since my birthday, which was the end of November, so I need to, like, get better at just, yeah, there's always been mm. something, like, I've always committed to going out or to so much, <laughs> so I'm looking forward to a duvet weekend, like, I feel like I need to make that a thing now. Um, yeah, <laughs> find, it, find it out. Yeah, but I'm good otherwise, it's going pretty well. 
Courtney, are you keeping positive? Yeah. Uh, I just started um, yesterday part two of my mea culpa series of design, so which is all about Catholic sex abuse. So I don't know about positive, but I feel invigorated and like I am telling people's truths. So what else can you ask for? Mm. It's always difficult when you're working on a project like that. Yeah. Like you delve in deep into something and you're like, gotta stay positive. And I can't really decide when to do it. It's because something broke. So like I have to go with when things break in the news. So, but yeah, yeah, that's... um, I'm doing that. I'm trying to keep positive despite it. It's my choice. It's not like I have to do it. So, but that's my new and just working, just going to work, hanging out. Mm. Good. Yeah. No, I'm just looking at things. Obviously, with the new year, obviously things have changed in my life, and it's kind of like how to stay positive, mm-hmm. how to like mm. you know carry on going. And I feel like what I've definitely started doing is just being more open to asking for like help and advice. Yeah. And I think, yeah, and I think it's quite good. And, like, the people that come back to me, it's like, you should try this, you should try this. And sometimes you get, like, a common theme. Like, I think I said yesterday, like, how do I beat anger? Mm-hmm. Like, how do mm-hmm. I deal with my anger? What, where does it go? And, like, majority of people come back to me, it's like, gym, weights, cardio, running. And I was like, okay, cool, right, I'm going to go to the mm-hmm. gym. So, yeah, I'm get, kind of getting like that. But I think as well, like, this week I told myself, have a break mm-hmm. yeah like you're allowed like i feel like i'm in this like i've got a lot of pressure on me at the moment to carry on going and keep going keep going keep going and like i yeah. am but then in my mind i'm thinking i uh, i need a little break right now yeah and so yeah but I, i'm one of those people that i feel guilty if i like give time to myself mm. yeah and i'm also one of those people that like if someone's going for a bad time I'm like oh my god everything's gonna be fine you'll be okay and then when it happens to me i'm like this is the worst, this is the worst thing that's ever happened, the world is ending kind of thing. So I think I'm just going to, like, treat this next week as, like, a holiday and mm. just just chill, relax, like, don't feel guilty yeah. about laying on the sofa for five hours because, you know, it, later that evening I'm going to write seven articles and update a website and edit a podcast. So it's about mm. keeping that, for me, it's that balance. Yeah. Like, you can be super productive for two hours, which allows you to be relaxed and chill for three hours kind of thing and that's the healthiest thing you can do i think is try to like release the guilt that comes with something you shouldn't be guilty about which i'm horrible at that as well but Mm, just allowing yourself to be like yeah i can sit and watch netflix for four hours because i've been working my ass off like Mm, it's okay to do that or i can sit and read a book for a few hours it's okay to just I don't know. I think that that's a big 2020 mantra we should all have is like, let the guilt go because it's not yeah. warranted at all. No, you don't understand. There's no judge. You're not going to face a crime. Yeah. It's totally mm. fine. Yeah, cool. I'm glad I'm in good company with that. It makes me feel Yeah, happy. for sure. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm so, honestly, I was thinking the other day, like, I'm literally so lucky to have so many fantastic, like, supportive friends and things like that. And mm. I think friendship is such a currency that people take advantage mm-hmm. of. And, like, I think me and my, like, my new friends, we've definitely kind of sat around and we were like, right, who is going to stay in our lives this year? Like, we were having, like, a Congress meeting or something. Yeah. Like, this is season two of our show. <laughs> who are we, who are we bring back? Who is going to fade out slowly? Not in, like, a psychotic way, but just in, like, who is bringing positivity yeah. into our lives and who is just making us feel bad about ourselves kind of thing. Um, and I'm a big, I think this year as well, I'm going to be a big thing of, if I'm not going to make all the plans yeah. all the time, I'm going to, you know, like, people have... It's give and take, isn't it? Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. It's weird. It's like I've got friends that are like, oh, I'll host next weekend. Like, because you're always hosting. I'm like, literally, I do not mind hosting. Like, I was never allowed anyone around as a kid. So you can literally moving. It's fine. Mm-hmm. It's, yeah. Friendship is a currency which you really, like, just value and hold. Yeah. It's very important. And I'm a big believer in, like, you, that whole, like, you make your family thing. Oh, yeah. You mm. can make your family. Oh, same. Actually. Hugely. And on that note, we're going to end the show. <laughs> so, yeah, you can remember, as you said, you can follow us on Spotify. You can subscribe on Apple Podcasts. You can leave a review on Apple Podcasts. Yeah, just f- follow Courtney. She talks about 1917 profusively. Follow Naha. She talks about her love of um, Barry Jenkins profusively. And um, I'm not tweeting anything at the moment because my account's locked and private. And that's a whole other story. Um, we will <laughs> be back next week. I'm not too sure what the topic is, but we'll let you know. Something, let you know. something wonderful. Mel Gibson. Bye-bye. Ooh. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs>